Hello and welcome to The Rest is Football with me, Gary Lineker, Micah Richards and Alan Shearer. It's the Q&A episode, but we're going to start by talking about last night's game. We're discussing this on Tuesday morning. Um, so last night we watched uh, that extraordinary football match between Liverpool and Newcastle. Um, so we had to have a few minutes on that particular game. bit disappointing for you, Alan, but my God. Goodness me, it was breathtaking pace, wasn't it? It's uh, That fixture has produced some great games, hasn't it, over the years. Um, it very rarely disappoints, and it certainly didn't last night. Um, yeah, the best he won by a mile. They battered Newcastle in terms of chances, I think. But I know one big talking point will be the uh, the dive, which I'm sure will uh, will get will get a mention. Um, but yeah, Liverpool looking strong and looking good. And uh, I know they'll. I mean, when when Salah leaves uh, for what is it for six or seven games, they might miss him for. Um, they, well, they will miss him because he's that good a player. Bloody hell, he's so good, isn't he? Um, yeah, Liverpool looking strong, looking good, and they're going to be right up there. Uh, for us neutrals, uh, Micah, that was um, it was a great watch, wasn't it? <laughs> Even the first off that was remarkably goalless yeah. was kind of, um, I would say end to end. It was more obviously the Liverpool attacking end that was that was featured because they played, as, as Alan quite rightly said, some great stuff. Uh, and missed opportunities, missed the penalty, but um, great start to 2024. Amazing. You say neutral, but I'm not really neutral only because I play fantasy football. And you're neutral, guys, and you can enjoy the football. Like, no, you know, I can't because I get year. the grief of my sons on me all the time, Micah. They get the grief from them. It's it's one minute, it's all roses and everything's incredible. And the next minute, it's the end of the world with that thing. Yeah, but you don't understand it genuinely messes with your feelings. So we've got, I've, I've, been, I, I've been about four or five different groups and everyone's got Salah. And a lot of people went with, I don't know, a, a Foden captain, a Watkins captain because he's been in really good form. And the odd one went with even Palmer captain and he had uh, a wonderful goal, got like 18 points. And then you're watching the game, like you said, the game's brilliant, end to end. We, we know we love the tune, 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 tune. Being down there, I always want the tune to do well. But I wanted Salah to score because he's my captain. What does he go and do? He go and misses the penalty. I'm on minus two in the first 20 minutes of the game. Honestly, my head had gone. I'm not watching the game for comfort. I'm watching the game for points. My head had gone. And then after that, you do know you have the opportunity and the choice not to play. No, that's like that's like saying, <laughs> do you not want to be a football fan? Fantasy football is is imperative to your lifestyle, especially as a football fan. <laughs> and I know you guys don't play it. It sounds ridiculous, but I'm 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 being deadly serious right now. Um, but apart from that, the game was wonderful. Salah was great. Jota, again, we talked okay, about Jota. I was wondering when we were going to get back to, <laughs> into the match rather than the fantasy football shit. <laughs> <laughs> but Jota, we've said how many times, Jota, and like Alan said, we're going to talk about the dive, not dive, whatever the, it may be, but it just comes on and he makes a difference within the game. And that's what they need when Salah's going to African Cup of Nations. And I just thought Liverpool offensively were, were brilliant. 
They really were. They got they've got quite a lot of options. Um, they certainly are the team of the moment, aren't they? They're in very good form, playing excellent football. Um, they've got that energy that they probably lost for a little while last season. Um, they've got that back, um, and he's got options and choices. I know, obviously, the African Cup of Nations, but that affects most sides. Um, apart from, well, not Manchester City, but it affects most sides and the Asian Cup. But um, they're going to they're gonna take some stopping. Take some they're going the distance. There's no yep. doubt about it. Liverpool are going the distance. Um, they'll be right up there come the last weekend or two of the uh, of the season. Um, they're, a, they're, a, they're a really good team. Van Dijk's back to his best. Trent's having a great time. They've got an unbelievable goalkeeper. And when, he, when you've got the brilliance of Mo Salah, then... Um, You've got every uh, you've got every chance, and what what Liverpool have got is they've got game changers that can do that coming off a bench. Uh, so many options, haven't they? It actually takes me to to a question. I'm going to talk a little bit more about the game and obviously the the VAR um, decision around the Jota penalty slash dive. Um, question from Matt Woods: Has Trent solved his England omission problem and Southgate's quandary about where and how to play him by playing his way into our midfield for the Euros? Trent Alexander Arnold, Rice, Jude for the summer mm. it's certainly a viable option I mean he's the best passer I mean his passing range is truly extraordinary I mean it really is and I you know I've been harping on about the fact that I think he's a midfield player for about six years now probably not quite that long but um I, I, I mean, he, he's, he's playing on the obviously right back at the moment, but drifting into midfield a lot and playing with so much freedom. But God, blimey, his passing range—it's remarkable. It's outrageous. It's like actually, you know, when you just said that, Trent, Bellingham, and Rice, it like gets you a little bit excited, doesn't it? Thinking those, those, <laughs> those, those three in uh, in in the middle for uh, for England—it's that is really really exciting. That. Yeah. If you add to that the possibilities of um, Cole Palmer, yeah. of uh, James Madison um, yeah. as well, Phil Foden. Oh, yeah. It's not bad. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, we've we've had yeah. this conversation many times. Yeah. Um, back to back to the game last night. Um, um, Alan, obviously on our group chat, you were um, ooh, blimey, not particularly happy with uh, <laughs> with the, the second penalty. I mean, the first one I thought was a penalty, definitely. But the second one, I mean, if there is contact, it's 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 minimal. I wonder whether he's going around the because you, you're thinking, aren't you? Just, well, just stand your feet and knock it in. But I think internally, in his mind, I think he's had a little bit of a panic that he's knocked it too far, um, and he's just gone right. I better go down because I, I, I felt something. Um, but I'm shocked they didn't turn that over. Shocked. We need to put some context into this because you two are both strikers. You're both running at that pace. So explain to... I thought if he's running at that pace, it only takes a little bit of a touch to send you over. That was my first thought. But then obviously he exaggerates the dive afterwards. So yeah, can you explain to me what happened there from a striker's point of view? Yeah, he fucking dived. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty simple. Yeah. 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 I would I would agree with you, Alan, on that one. I mean I've I I mean I've I used to go around the goalkeeper a lot, so it's it's something that I, I wouldn't say I was an expert at, but I did it a lot. So I went round keepers because I because like that was the classic example of how to go around a goalkeeper. When they're running out at you and you're running at them. 
that kind of extreme two speeds coming together gives you a massive advantage. All you've got to do is drag it wide and then just just slide it in. Now, as you quite rightly say, Mike, if you are hit at that pace, you will go down. Um, and sometimes if you do do a heavy touch, you might not, let's say, jump out of the way of the goalkeeper if he slides in. And if he clatters you, I don't think that's a dive. That's you using common sense against a goalkeeper who's got it wrong. But there is a difference between that and actually manufacturing a dive because I think even even with even that kind of contact was not enough. No way was that enough to send anyone over. And I think he knows he's not going to go over. He f he's felt a tiny touch, but he's thinking I can score. And then I think he's had a mild panic in his head in that split second where he thought I'm not going to get this. I'm not going to reach it. And he's gone. I better go down. And and that for me is 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 a dive. But normally when you are a striker in that position, you do have that option of winning a penalty um, by not jumping out. I don't think a striker has, you know, I don't think it should be that you should have to leap out the way of a, of a goalkeeper lunging at you. But um, there is a difference between that and actually this sort of contact. <laughs> There's no way that contact didn't knock you over. Um, it's a good job we did do this last night when I was still raw and angry. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> and I've calmed down a little bit. It, no way was it going to affect the result. The best team won. They battered Newcastle. They should totally score seven or eight. But, I mean, that's as clear as dive as you're ever going to see. I mean, what was it, three paces after after the yeah. tiny, tiny bit of contact, was it? Yeah. Three paces. He, I mean, I, I, yeah, I agree with everything you've said, but the ball, he was he could have got the ball. He could have just stayed on his feet and yeah, tapped it I in. Yeah, I think he could as well. I'm just saying, I think yeah, he had a moment of panic yeah, that he yeah. didn't think he was going to get it. Yeah. Um, but come on, VAR, you're encouraging oh, diving. Yeah, They're yeah. Inc we said it, we said it the other day, didn't we, Mike? We talked about it, we even talked about it on Match of the Day on Saturday night. The fact now that players know that if they feel the most minimal contact, they can go down and they know that if the referee gives a penalty, because often it's difficult for referees in those circumstances, because they, but it's not difficult for VAR to see that. And it was a bit, you know, even wasn't quite the same, but we had the Burnley penalty at the weekend where he was he just flicked the bottom of his soul. So players, as soon as they feel anything, are just going to go boom, down on the floor because they know VAR will help them, will help them kid the referees. It doesn't make sense. I mean, I was I was amazed like you that, that whoever the VAR was last night, that, that him and his assistant VAR, that both of them can look at that and think, Nah, it's all right. That's really the correct decision and he hasn't dived. I mean, goodness me, do me a favour. I want to give um, Jurgen Klopp some credit because, I mean, I love the way his teams play for What a manager. And what a manager. Yeah. And he's done it for, for so many years now. And even the, when he's had the blips, when they lost the form, like he's had um, at the, particularly um, early last season. And... But he's he's he, and he's rebuilding a side, isn't he? As well, in, in many ways, um, it's a different looking side than it was three or four years ago. Um, he really is. I, I love his football. It's so entertaining. He's brilliant. He's he's different class um, coach manager. However you want to describe him, his attitude on the side of the pitch can be annoying at times. But I, I, in a way, I sort of admire that and like that as well because of how passionate he is, how much he loves. I mean, just his loves his football club and cares about it and everything else. And his and his his the football that his team plays is some is amazing sometimes. And and yeah, you're right. He's built it. He's had to build again, hasn't he? Where from last season to now, and to do it so quickly, and then to being with a proper chance of winning the league again. 
Yeah, he's a, he's a special, special manager. I'd love to have played up front for, for one of his teams, wouldn't you? That dynamic, attacking, yeah, aggressive yeah. form. And I think that's football. that's what maybe gives them the edge over over uh, other teams is that the firepower that they've got to change games. You know, if if it's not working for them with twenty five minutes to go, the the players up top uh, that they can that they can bring on is um, is brilliant for them. Yeah. He, he is top, isn't he? I think when you look at what he's done, like you said, the, the rebuilding of, of the team. And he was going through a bit of a crossroad, wasn't he? Where a lot of people were saying at Dortmund, he was there for X amount of years and he can only, he gets burnt out. And when, when people were reporting that and wherever he's been, he can only take a team for so long and then he'll move on. But I was thinking... Where is he going to get a better job than Liverpool? The fans love him. The players love him. He's got some good young players coming through. He can spend the money to get them to the next level. Why would you want to leave Liverpool? He's been amazing. And he's been up against one of the greatest managers of all time in Pep. So to win the league, win the Champions League, and even now with rebuilding a team to be fighting for the league as well. He, yeah, he deserves all the credit. Before we move on to the, the questions, and we've, we've got some good ones I want to get through. Um, and thank you once again for sending those questions. Um, Eddie Howe, um, Alan, I think that's five of the last six games that they've lost. Big game coming up, of course, Sunderland yeah. in the FA Cup, that local derby. But at, at the same time, I'd, I'd rotten luck with injuries um, and things. But is, is it, it, this is probably the first time since he took charge where you go, ooh, mini crisis or whatever you want to describe it as, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's worrying. Um, they're shipping goals for fun from what was a great strength of theirs last season where... They didn't, they looked really tight, compact. Whereas now, and certainly the last six or seven weeks, they are, they are so open and given so many chances to the, uh, to the opposition. And teams have basically gone right through the middle, which is, is, a, is, a, is another concern. And they look, they look really weak defensively at the minute. Not, not just the back four, but the, the lack of protection that, that they are getting. Um, and in terms of Eddie, yeah, it's, it's probably the first test. But is he under pressure? I think he's got enough in the bank and I think he should have enough in the bank for what he's done um, for the football club. I know they've got Sunderland this weekend um, on Saturday lunchtime, which is a huge game. Then they've got City and Villa, then the two league games after that. So, um, I mean, if, even if the worst comes to the worst, then for me, he's got enough in the bank to to, to be able to carry on and do what uh, do what he started to do and, and hopefully carry on because I think... He deserves that time. Would totally agree with that. Don't, don't you just think before we move on, um, Gary? Just uh, um, how honest he is with his interviews as well. He never blames anyone. He's always respectful to the interviewer, and he doesn't sugarcoat anything. He just tells it exactly how it is, and it's refreshing for a manager. From the times when it was good, because we interviewed him when we was doing Champions League, and everything was was brilliant when he won the, the PSG game, and it was bouncing, and he didn't get too high. He was just measured and honest, and he's exact same when the losing I just hope he gets all the time because he's done a great job and I think he's brilliant manager all round I really do yeah I can't think for a minute that they'd possibly consider changing at this point he's, he's been superb let's move on to um, the questions uh, Ben is the Ange Ball style of play partly responsible for Spurs players dropping like flies? Well, is it the style of play, the front foot nature that, I mean, 
they play a you know similar aggressive attacking formula to Liverpool in many ways, and I think it's actually I think perhaps a bigger question is there does seem to be more injuries of recently, doesn't there? Hamstrings, knees. Um, there's there's a plethora of them really, um, and do you think there's any particular reason that I wonder whether it's the playing surfaces because nowadays there it's a mix, isn't it? The the of grass and whatever what's it called yeah, synthetic or sort of synthetic surface. Yeah. Um, and maybe that you can stick in it a little bit more, and or maybe because it's a harder surface when you're sprinting, um, you can more likely to do a hamstring. Pretty damn difficult in my day doing a hamstring trawling through <laughs> trawling through mud. Um, so I don't know. What do you think? When we had the debate, me and Alan, uh, it was what last last year now about the the high intensity of like the, the Premier League now. It's completely different. It, you, you, your body is finely tuned now to these new pitches, the amount of minutes you have to play, and how it's not just how far you run it. It's the intensity in which you are running. So of course you're going to pick up more muscle injury. So in for, for, for Van der Ven, remember seeing him going off a game with his, with his hamstring. Romero's obviously got a hamstring and Spurs now play a higher line. So they are doing more high end sprints than normally. There was a pragmatic team, defensive team who would hold their line and get up slowly. So of course you're going to pick up more injuries when you're doing more sprints within the game. And it's just allowing your body to adapt to that. So of course it is to a little bit to the way they play with, with Ange Ball, but it's just their body getting used to a different, that they're doing more like midfielders runs instead of just centre out recovery runs, runs isn't it yes, yeah recovery ex- runs so exactly. when the ball's over the top the turn the sprint and etc so yeah I get and understand what uh, what, you, what you're saying there Micah um, I'd love to see the data you know from the football clubs of how what times um, how many uh, what positions all of that you know because I'm sure that they'd, they'd, they've got all that and look into that and just to see to whether there's actually any connection whether it could be the pitches or whether it could be the fitness levels or the number of sprints more you're doing etc etc I'm sure all the clubs have got the numbers yeah be interesting to get one of the um, clubs physios on wouldn't mm. it uh, yeah. for, um, on a guest appearance on, on I think they would come on you know but they're just worried about saying the wrong thing well, of then, course well, they, they're like insight. doctors in a way aren't they yes. they're not allowed to talk about their patients I suppose it's probably quite a difficult um, difficult ask for them that um, that particular thing um, another question from the from another podcast indeed uh, the world class stamp podcast uh, we're really enjoying the rest is football it's a good laugh thank you uh, hopefully we can get w- one of you on our podcast one day uh, what do you all define as a world class player and do you as players fall into this category um, it says to rate your fellow pundits we're not going to do that but from at world class stamp podcast so thank you very much for, for that question um, world class I, I, I don't know about you I would say world class it's difficult I would say any player at some point that you would put in a in the squad of a world team. So say you're going to a World Cup and you had a World Cup team, who's in that 22, 23-man squad? Um, I would say if they're that good, then they're world-class. I think it's thrown at players too, yeah. too readily, too easily. 
Um, but I, I, I think that would probably be the best. Then you'd argue who should be in that squad. <laughs> so it's um, there's different tiers of brilliance, isn't there? I mean, you've got the very, very best of Messi and Ronaldo, and and no one's no one's above those two. I mean, they're in a different stratosphere to anyone else, aren't they? But then you've got then you've got the list down below that. I think of world class players. So so yeah, that's that's how I would sort of define it. Yeah. World class is, you know, obviously, obviously people like Mbappe clearly yeah, plays. Yeah. You would have you, over the period you'd have put people like Neymar in, and then you've got you know Van Dyke you'd have in there players. I think that would spend a spell of their career in a world a world squad, a world fifteen, a world sixteen. I, you know, if you if you and obviously it's different for different positions because there's only one goalkeeper that plays. There's you know obviously more midfield players. There's one kind of one striker and two wide. It depends in those positions. What do you think, Micah? I, I think the new the new modern era of player are, are being called world class because I believe the standard of football has dropped a little bit. I think it's more intense. I do. I think the players are fitter, but the individuality of the individual brilliance is different. So if you look at the era of, of when, even when U2 was coming through, well, let's go Alan Shearer's era. Look at all the strikers that he was up against. Now we've got Kane and we've got Watkins. The, the era when I was coming through defensive, we've got Ledley King, Woodgate, Terry, Rio Ferdinand, uh, Sol Campbell, even just before that, Tony Adams. So I think people are being called world-class now because the standard of player around is not as good as it used to be. So I think you're just talking about English football, though, there. You're going to get spells where you get a, a, a more centre-halves than you do midfield players. At the moment, we've got more creative players than probably any country in the world. But I think the question is more, how do you determine who is a world-class player and, and who isn't a world-class player? It's got to be for a period and of time, hasn't it, as well? You can't just do it for a season. Yeah, of course. It can't be yeah, 10 yeah. minutes. It's yeah. got to be, be three seasons consistently. Yeah. Otherwise, best. you'd be one. <laughs> <laughs> I was world class for six months. <laughs> but, but that, that, that is six months longer than most people, Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really, really is. So um, on that note, let's take a short break. <laughs> Welcome back to The Rest is Football with Alan Shearer, Micah Richards and me, Gary Lineker. We're into the questions now and we've got one from Jonathan Greenwood. And I've thought about this a few times. Do you think Celtic and Rangers should join the Premier League? I think it would be amazing. Me too. I think with the size of those two giant football clubs, it would only enhance our league for the better and... The atmosphere in those grounds is amazing. The support they have around the world is fantastic. So they're two giant clubs. And so absolutely, it would be brilliant if they could be in the Premier League. But I don't think we're ever going to see it. I think the problem is how do you get them in, isn't it? I mean, what, what do you do? Just chuck two teams out and stick two giants in? Or do you get them to start in, I don't know, League Two or or the... Nations League or what? How how do you, you? It's a little bit unfair on you know. Say say for example, you stick them in next season and the top two from, from that win the championship, particularly as one of them's Leicester, 
um, you just go, well, actually, you're not coming up this season because <laughs> we're, we're sticking Celtic and Rangers. And you certainly can't have the league up to 22 clubs because um, the, the, the fixture levels are already exhausting. Micah? No, I, I think it'd be great. I agree with Alan. It'd be amazing. Imagine going there every other week. It'd be, it'd be brilliant. But... I just think what that would do for Scottish football, no disrespect, you like Celtic and Rangers and the the money that they will bring into the Scottish league. I just believe it'd be entertaining in the Premier League, but I think Scottish football would be dead after that. Yeah, for for Scottish football, it would be the equivalent of the Premier League losing the the Big Four or something, wouldn't yeah. it? Or four yeah. of the Big Six, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it sounds great, yeah. but it's, it's um, impractical. Chris Polding, do you think managers should be subject to a transfer window the same as players? So once you commit to a manager, you have to work it out until the next window, at least. I've always thought this, but I'm no manager. Ooh, let's speak to the manager at the table. Go on, Al. Take it away. No, I, I when I say I've always thought this, but I'm no manager. That's part of his question. Mark. I was just that, about to say that, that was that, that, <laughs> that's no, that's not my opinion. How that's the hell can my... you? How the hell can you plan as a manager or a coach as if you're going to be biffed off to some other club in in six months' time or whatever? No, ridiculous idea. No, I think his point is once you've got a manager. You can't sack him in a period until the the window. You've got to at least wait, I suppose. That's what he means, rather than... Oh, right, okay. Maybe I misunderstood it then. Yeah, um, yeah I think that's what he means. Yeah, I, get, I sort of get that idea. If you can't sack him during the season or whatever, then you're with him. I, I understand that more than I thought what the question was, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I actually quite like that. I think it, it, it gives the manager some stability, gives him time to do what he needs to do. The only problem with that is if it, if it becomes toxic and you go on a really bad run and the fans turn on you and you, there's no way out, really. He's almost just waiting for the inevitable to happen. So I like the idea. Is it practical? Probably not. Okay. Question from Connor. Uh, more a question for Alan and Micah. But as a Bolton Wanderers fan, I always wonder what players thought of those big Sam Bolton teams from 20 years ago with the likes of Kevin Davis, Okocha and Campo, etc. And how difficult they made it for teams as Arsene Wenger used to hate us. Um, why is that a question just for Alan and Micah? I mean, maybe you thinks I'm that a lot. Far back? Well, I think he's thinking I'm I'm a lot younger than you two, or something. I, 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 was Bolton called Bolton in your days? What was it? Was it change your name? <laughs> wondrous, the wondrous. <laughs> hey, you did have some players in there, by the way, Sam. When you think about it, you yeah. know, I mean, I think Joe F was in there as well, wasn't he? Oof, um, great. Yes. Yep. No, they yeah, had some really good players. When Speedo was there as well with uh, with him at uh, at Bolton, was, I mean, they had some really really good players. Um, I mean, when you look at Campo, yeah, Her Herrero, you remember him? Herrero, yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, he was, yeah, yeah, incredible. And, wasn't and it? actually, for, you know, for all Sam's reputation for playing kind of direct football, they they played some great stuff, but that Bolton side, didn't they? Although I'm yeah. sorry, I'm not allowed an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Just ask the question. Yeah, they do. Yeah. <laughs> they were uh, they were they were a good side. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right when you when you look at Sam and you and you think how and and what and then for him to be able to attract those type of players into into uh, into Bolton and the way he did. Yeah, they were a good team. I, th I think it's disrespectful all the time when these managers get labelled as just like 
target men, hit the hit the target man and play for the second ball. Big Sam could play football. It was unbelievable at times, that Bolton team. Like Alan said, getting them players as well. And that's why I'm so happy Dyche now has got his little bit of flair players at Everton with McNeil. It shows that and Garner that they can do a little bit more than just hit the number nine. So, yeah, Big Sam, given the right players, he could play ball. Mr. Blue Sky. What's it like taking a penalty in a high-pressure game? I'm thinking Cameroon for Gary and Germany for Alan. I don't know what he's thinking for Mike. <laughs> uh, knowing the hopes of a nation rest on your shoulders, it must be a heavy burden to bear. I think I would throw up on the walk to the ball. Uh, well, Micah couldn't cope with taking him in a mess about at half-time at Old Trafford. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that was last season, wasn't it? Was it last season? Yeah, it was early this season. Was it this it was season? Early this this season. season, wasn't it? My record oh, yeah. is four penalties, zero goals, four misses. <laughs> <laughs> Let me say the that again: the... four penalties, one in pre-season. <laughs> Free at Old Trafford, zero goals. <laughs> don't think we're going to lie on you then, would we? <laughs> yeah, no. um, I don't know. Describe that. Um, you, you go first, Aaron. Mm, that, uh, in the, the big in the, World uh, Cup. Yeah, in the penalty shootouts, I mean, they're, they're, they're really different because they're more pressurised situations. And that I think that walk from the halfway line to the penalty spot with the ball is probably the longest 30 or 40 yards you'll walk. Yeah in your life and, and the hardest um, because if you're inexperienced there's so many things that races through your head um where's the keeper standing which where's he going to dive you can you can i mean you can hear everything oh. but then um the more you take and the more you're in that situation then you more you learn to block all the crap out focus on what you've practiced and what you're going to do and you should be all right and the walk back is a little bit easier when it hits the back of the net <laughs> so that is so alan alan i don't know about you it's like, i wonder if it was the same for you because i think when i took in the in actually talking about the penalty shootout um against germany in the 1990 semi-final um i took the first penalty as i know you did yeah. Also in the in the shootout against Germany, yeah. Um, and in those days, there weren't like there are now. There are balls all over the pitch now, aren't there? And they're all exactly the same. Um, in those days, you played with like one match ball, and there'd be a spare somewhere. So for the penalty in the nineteen ninety, I've got the ball on the halfway line, and I have to go all the way to the penalty spot, as you said, that forty yard walk, whatever yeah. it is. And the whole way, all I'm, it's, it was kind of nicely distracting in a way because I had the ball and I'm thinking, what should I do with it? Should I try and <laughs> juggle it a little bit? Should I put it on the floor and kick it long? Should I just carry it? <laughs> and and that was all that was going yeah. through my mind. I didn't want to look like, I thought, no, don't try and juggle it. You'd crap at that. So I just, honestly, I just thought I'll just carry it and then put it on the ground and flicked it around a little bit and just it was a, did you carry your ball all the way there can you remember I can't remember what I do remember thinking exactly the same thing there's no way that I'm keeping the ball up here because if you keep the ball up and you drop it you bounce <laughs> 10 yards or something like that I thought there nah, sod that I'm not doing uh, that I don't know whether you remember though but remember Ryan Giggs did that he did it all from the halfway line so yeah. kept it up all the way at Old Trafford yeah. Yeah. And I, Did he score? No, yeah, I think he scored. There was no way just I was as doing well. That you shit. need to score no if way. you're doing that flash stuff, don't you? Yeah. Um, just, but just in the other one, it. like the, the other ones I, t I took in the in the World Cups in particular, which were the two penalties against Cameroon. I know this sounds a bit weird, but I, I thought I really loved it. It was like you know that opportunity almost 
to show off that you've got a pair of balls. Like, yeah, give it to me. Give it to me. <laughs> you're putting yourself, I mean, I know it's massively pressurized and it was, but you're putting yourself in a, a situation that people will never be in. Never be in. You've got an opportunity to do something under the utmost pressure that if you pull it off, it's it's like the dog's bollocks. And <laughs> yeah. I, I do remember the first one against Cameron because I've been England penalty taker for four years. Four years and we didn't have one single penalty. I think there was one friendly we played um, where there was a penalty, but I wasn't playing. And I think I think Clive Allen missed it, actually. Um and um, so, so I'd played penalty take for four years and practiced and practiced. I used to practice the same penalty. I know Alan did the same thing. Practice the one you're going to hit in the game. And then, and then suddenly, eight minutes to go, two one down in a quarter final of a World Cup. For my first ever England penalty, <laughs> and I'd I'd hardly taken any at club level at that point as well. I, I might have taken one, two in my life, but I'd 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 hit thousands of penalties in practice, thousands of them, and all I kept saying to myself, hit the penalty you did in training, hit the penalty you did in training, do not change your mind, hit the penalty in training. That's all I was, um, and then I had one other thought. One other thought was. My biggest fan in those days, my my brother used to, and and I thought to myself, I wonder how he's watching this game now. <laughs> <laughs> and he eventually told me he was watching it behind a sofa. He couldn't watch, but <laughs> yeah. um, and that feeling of when you you've hit the ball and it's and you can see it. And I always used to my favourite penalty was I know it sounds bizarre, but I used to like like to hit it to the keeper's left and just bend it in a little bit, you know, with the side foot there and always aimed outside the post a little bit for two reasons. One, you will always chicken out a little bit <laughs> and pull it in. So and soon as I hit it, I thought that's sweet. And then the most gorgeous sight in football Ooh. is watching the goalkeeper move in the opposite direction yeah. to your penalty. <laughs> There's, and then it, then it went and, and it went in and I thought that's mate. And then we went into extra time and got a penalty and had another and I thought I haven't planned for two what the fuck do I do now what do I do with this one um, but he moved so early with the first one I just plonked it down the middle but um, um, the relief when it. you see yeah. it the day. Oh, the oh my god oh. Jesus yeah. I mean you you actually ripped one in the top bins didn't you was it Argentina, Argentina and yeah. Germany and, uh, and I went to the other side I think for Germany yeah. in the 96 yeah. one I went to the keeper's left but my favourite one was try and whip it to the keeper's right high. Yeah, that was my like, that like was Harry my go-to Kane. one. Yours yeah. was Harry Kane's penalty, wasn't it? That's that's Harry's go-to penalty yeah. as well, isn't it? That same that same one. Yeah, yeah. You know the balls, so obviously they're different from Gaz to Wallen. So is there a particular place or or spot you would put the ball? Because you know, with free kicks, the sort of go off where the valve is to get that little bit of. Uh, I don't curve or spin or bend, whatever you want to call it. Or did you just put it down? Did you not worry about those details? Always, always the valve for me. The always the valve was up on the uh, up on the top where I could see it, right in the middle. And I always used to try and get it right at the top of the penalty spot, you know. So you can you can I don't know what it is. You might be gaining an extra six or seven inches closer to the uh, to the goal, but always as far forward as I could uh, as I could get it. And the valve had to be up at the top. Yeah, I always used to have the laces on the top. <laughs> <laughs> What's a valve? <laughs> 
Onward and forward. Chris asks, Hi Gary, used to love watching They Think It's All Over. I thought you and Gower were great. Given Mike is also doing League of Their Own, why isn't Alan on a panel show? <laughs> well, this is pretty much a panel yeah, show. Yeah, this, um, this is our yeah. panel show, isn't it? Yeah. Have, have you been asked to be on? I think you will be now. Now, now we've got sweary out. I think you could be... <laughs> Uh, no, not been asked to host one or be on. I've been on a few of them, but I haven't. Uh, there's no plans, no, not at all. Would you? Would you, Al? I haven't got the time, Micah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's a busy man. Um, it's quite fun doing. I mean, I did, they think it's all over, I think 15 seasons for, I think, eight years. And it, it was, it's obviously what, you know, League of Their Own basically rip the idea <laughs> explain, to, explain to the younger view, uh, viewers and listeners what it was please it's not Gary. that long ago <laughs> um yeah well it is actually now 20 odd years ago um it was um it was it was like a version of uh, league of their own mike I'm, I'm genuinely i don't mean you ripped the idea mm -hmm. off but you've obviously moved and changed it a little bit but it was it was a sports quiz with comedians and um sports people um we used to have various rounds um it i think the show lasted about half an hour um, and we record it every Monday um, evening in front of a live audience. There were rounds like "Feel the Sportsman," which was quite a good one. You, you get um, like a you would be blindfolded, properly blindfolded. You they made sure, and then you'd that you'd get like a famous sports person, and you had to try and guess who it was. Now, obviously, if they you know, it was really like a swimmer would be in just a little <laughs> pair of briefs and trunks and stuff and you had to be really um it was um it, yeah and, and some you know you'd, you'd have people dressed up with um like for archery and archer or something it, and it was yeah it was it, it was a lot of fun and i think it was genuinely probably the basis for league of their own because it was a comedy sports quiz along similar lines so they have I've never it. seen it. I'm going to watch. I'm going to try dig it out somewhere. Oh, oh God, don't. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. Um, that's it for this uh, question episode. Um, and we'll be back later in the week with our Friday episode. And what we're going to do, chaps, because obviously there's no midweek football really this week, is we're going to do our awards of 2023. Okay, that's the plan. So we're going to have our best team, best forward, best goalkeeper, best manager, all that kind of stuff, best international player. And um, should cause a little bit of debate for you all. <laughs> um, but for now, that's it. Um, goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Cheers. <laughs>